Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise God from who all blessings flow. And welcome to the Purpose Kingdom Network. This is uh, the episode 1812, and to God be the glory for the good things he is yet doing in the lives of his people and in this ministry. I am your host, Evangelist Cheryl Johnson, the president and founder of the Women in the Word Ministries, and this is In Search of the Truth, coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the United States of America, where you can listen to us on computer by uh, typing in www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Purpose Kingdom. That's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Purpose Kingdom. Or you may dial us at 319 319- Five two seven six zero nine one. Again, that number is three one nine five two seven six zero nine one. The Bible declares in Psalm one nineteen one sixty, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy judgments endureth forever. John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And John 8.32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if you're looking for freedom tonight, if you're looking for deliverance tonight, if you're looking for a word of encouragement tonight and a word of hope tonight, you will find it in the word of God. Let's pray. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we give you honor, we give you glory, that's do your name, for you're worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is worthy to be praised. We thank you yet for another opportunity that you've given us to gather together around your throne of grace to hear what thus saith the Lord. And Lord, I'm asking God that you would open up our spiritual ears that we might hear you in our hearts, Lord, that we might feel you, our spiritual eyes that we might be aware of your move in the name of Jesus. Bind up every hindering spirit that will cause us not to hear, cause us not to focus, cause us not to receive your blessing and your favor through the word in the name of Jesus. Lord, hide me behind the cross that they might not hear me, Lord, but they would see you and hear you in the name of Jesus. Let your word fall on good ground and that it will bring forth good fruit and that that fruit will be in abundance, and that that fruit would, in fact, remain in the name of Jesus. Get your glory, Lord, and get your praise in the mighty, matters, marvelous, and miraculous name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I do pray this prayer with much thanksgiving. Amen, and glory to your name, O God. Uh, The topic this morning, or the title, or this evening, for what we're going to be talking about, is it's not about what you see, it's about what God says. It's not about what you see, it's about what God says. So I want you to come with me to the Word of God uh, this evening, 
And we're just going to be looking at a very familiar passage found in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. Just reading a few verses in that particular chapter, beginning at verse 35. Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. I'll be reading down to verse 40 in the uh, King James Version, and you will find words similar to these in your Bible. The word of the Lord says, And the same day when Eve was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Verse 40 says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? The word of God for the people of God to glorify God. Again, the title uh, of this word of encouragement this evening is, It's not about what you see. It's about what God says. We just came through a a, a, a very, uh, to me, a very exciting part of the year, which is called March Madness. And that has to do with the NCAA basketball tournaments, where the uh, the National College Athletic Association basketball tournaments of the top uh, 16 seeds from all four regions. And this year, it was full of surprises and upsets that occurred in each round. In the very first round, there was a school called FDU, a number 16 seed. They were pitted against the number one seed, Purdue. And guess what? They defeated Purdue. So Purdue who was expected to go all the way to the Final Four, and matter of fact, all the way into the championship, got kicked out or defeated in the very first round by a 16-seed school. And that was a real shopper, broke a lot of brackets. People that play the brackets, they know. All right? That was a real shocker. But then the hits kept coming. Princeton, number 15, defeated Arizona, who was number two. University of Miami, who was number nine, defeated Houston, who was number one. Arkansas, number eight, defeated the Kansas Jayhawks, who were number one. San Diego State, who was number five, defeated Alabama, who was number one. Florida Atlantic, number nine, defeated Kansas State, who was number three. And when it all wound down, Ending up in the final four was three virtually unknown, unlikely colleges, University of Miami, Florida, Atlanta, and San Diego. And there was one team, UConn, University of, uh, of, of, uh, 
of Connecticut who wasn't expected to even be in the tournament at all because their record was so up and down and they had lost some key players. But yet here they were in the final four. And the way it ended up, it came down to UConn versus San Diego, and UConn won. But that really isn't where I wanted to go. I just wanted us to be aware of all of these upsets, all of these things that were going on, and all these unexpected twists and turns. And likely, when you looked at the whole setup, you thought that you could see who actually should have been in the final four and eventually into the championship. That's what you saw. And I'm sure that the coaches also saw that too, the coaches of the underdog teams who faced the first, second, and third seed teams. I'm sure they told their players that, you know, you're just as good as your opponents. All right, we're, we're facing insurmountable odds. And everybody is against you. You, They're going to say that you don't have a chance. And I know it looks bleak. But what did the coaches say to them? The coaches said, but think positive and play to your strength and visualize victory. It may look like a defeat on paper, but the outcome will be different. That's what the coaches were saying. So what we saw was quite different from what the coaches was saying to their players. And I believe that the coaches spoke victory into existence. And it is because uh, that's, that's how it became a reality for that particular team. Hold on, I'm going somewhere. The Bible tells us clearly that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That's in Proverbs 18.21. And that in itself right there proves that it's not necessarily what you see. It comes down to what is being said. And more importantly, and what I want to uh, encourage us today, it's not so much what I say or what you say, but it's what God says. Come with me, come with me, come with me. Let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at this thing line by line, precept by precept. Verse uh, 35. It says, And the same day when Eve was come, He said, the he being Jesus, said to them, that's being the disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. Stop for a minute. Jesus is instructing his disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee in a boat to begin ministry on the other side. Now, these experienced fishermen thought this three-mile journey Uh, would be a breeze. It wouldn't be an issue for them. But I want you to really take a look, and I've done some research, because I was curious that the writer Mark said this phrase, let's go to the other side. 
what was so important about the other side? When when I did some research, the other side was actually, here it is, the Roman side. That's the place where they had idol worship. That was the place where Caesar was considered as a, a god, small, small g. That's the place where the customs were contrary to Jehovah God's ways and standards. Yet Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. Now, remember I said these experienced fishermen didn't find an issue with crossing the Sea of Galilee. However, perhaps they had an issue with going over to the other side. Uh huh. Something they wasn't looking forward to doing because of what was over there on the other side. And stop for a minute. There are times when we're doing ministry when God speaks to us and says, I want you to go, quote unquote, to the other side. I want you to do something that's not on your schedule. I want you to do something that's not logical to you. I want you to do something that's not comfortable to you. I want you to do something that you never thought of doing. And here it is, because you love him, all right, you might go and do that, but here it is, reluctantly. And I suggest that when Jesus told his disciples that he wanted them to get in the ship, they didn't have a problem with getting in the ship. They didn't have a problem with sailing. But they had a little bit of an issue about the destination that they were headed to. But because they loved Jesus, because they considered Jesus their rabbi, because they were the disciples, the followers of him, they they didn't outright rebel against, but they had an issue with where he was sending them at this point in time. They, they were going to a place where the people uh, didn't worship like they worshiped, didn't believe like they believed, and they were almost sure, here it is, almost sure that they weren't going to be very welcome with open arms on the other side. They were not eager to minister to the other side because they view the other side as heathens who didn't deserve what Jesus had to offer, which was a relationship with Jehovah God. Still, here it is, still they obeyed. The Bible says they set out to sail to the other side. Here's my question. Will you obey if Jesus instructs you to go to the quote-unquote, other side, if he instructs you to do something that makes no sense to you or, or seems as if it's a waste of time or contrary to your schedule, will you do it? That, that's just a question. That's just a question. That's just a question I'm throwing out there. But I look at the Bible and I find out that they obeyed. Look at it. Look, let's look. Let's look. Let's look. Verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there also with him other little ships. So they obeyed Jesus Christ. And they invited him on board, of course, and they took 
a couple of other ships with them as well. But here it is. Look at verse, look at verse, look at verse 37. The Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The Sea of Galilee was known for storms that would come up suddenly, but experienced fishermen usually knew how to navigate those storms, and they would be fine uh, sailing through. However, this particular storm was gigantuan. In other words, it was so unusual and so forceful, the Bible lets us know that they were battling with this storm, and they were losing this particular. But these experienced fishermen, with all the skill and expertise that they have, were losing to the storm. And the Bible says that the winds were raging and that the waves were great and the water was pouring into the boat. And here it is, and they began to bail it out because the water that was coming into the boat was causing the boat to sink. Mm -hmm. And they were losing this battle to this storm. And what did they see? Because remember I said, it's not about what you see. It's about what God says. But what did they see? At this point in time, all they saw was destruction. At this point in time, what did they see? All they saw was sure death by sea in drowning. And what was worse, what they saw was Jesus was not on the top deck helping them bail out the ship. Oh, yeah, they knew he was on board. And and here it is. And didn't he hear all of the hustle and bustle on the deck, on the top deck? Didn't he hear the boisterous winds? And didn't he feel the ship tossing and turning? And didn't he know that the waves were were raging high and breaking into the ship and flooding it out with water? Where was Jesus? They didn't see him coming up to help them, the Bible says. But they knew he was on board. But where was he? In this desperate hour, well, the Bible is going to tell us what was going on in verse 38. He was in the hinder part of the ship. He was near the stern, the steering wheel, back part of the ship. And here was, he was asleep on a pillow. He was comfortable. He was resting. Perhaps he was exhausted and surely uh, among other things, I'm sure he wasn't worried about it. He's God. What's he worried about? He's sleeping. All right. So, and how about how about don't miss it in the hinder part of the ship where the stern is, the steering wheel is, which means they couldn't have steered out of this storm without disturbing Jesus in the first place. How about that? Mm-hmm. But he was asleep. The Bible says on a pillow. Y'all see that? Mm-hmm. And here, how about this? And the disciples took that as a sign of indifference. They took that as a sign of disregard. And how do I know? 
because of their reaction. Look look again. Look again at verse. What does it say? It says he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they wake him. There it is. They didn't tap him and, you know, uh, rub his back and try to get his attention, try to rouse him to consciousness. No, they violently shook him. And here's what they said. Master, don't you care that we're dying? King James says, Master, care thou not that we perish? See, hear the desperation in their voice? Don't you care that we will die at sea in this storm? But don't look down on them because when we are in the middle of the storms of life that happen to us, it's hard for us to see Jesus there. And perhaps we think he's asleep and doesn't care because he hasn't stepped in to rescue us from our storm, our dilemma, from our trial, from our tribulation, our situation at that time. Perhaps we, like the disciples, uh, when we're in this, uh, in the midst storm, panic, and we feel that 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 God uh, uh, is disregarding us, or that He's indifferent at the time, and we're screaming at the top of our long lungs. Why? Because we have exhausted all of our logic, we've exhausted all of our skill, all of our ingenuity, all of our know-how, and we're losing this storm of life. We're losing it badly. Don't you care? Jesus, where are you? Don't you care? Don't you see me in the middle of this mess? Just like the disciples. Carest thou not that we Paris, how can you lie there asleep? But see, now the Bible tells us that God never slumbers or sleeps. And that's a good thing. It also goes forward to say that he will never leave us or forsake us. But the storm has our attention now just like it had the disciples' attention. The storm has our attention now, and it's overpowering us, and we're going down for the count, and we say, Jesus, if you're on board, don't you care? And here it is. Here's what we see. We see the storm greater than our God. And when I look in the story in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 38, They saw it the same way. They saw the storm greater than Jesus. They saw the storm. Now, here it is. They have witnessed Jesus doing miracles. They have witnessed Jesus feeding the 5,000. They have witnessed Jesus raising people up from their sickbed. They have witnessed miraculous miracles that Jesus had performed. And surely at one time or another, they say, you must be the son of God. But here they are in the middle of a storm, and it is taking the ship down. And right now they are doubting. They know Jesus is on board, but they are doubting that he even cares, and they don't think he can do anything about it. He doesn't have a pail in his hand. He's not help bailing us out. Matter of fact, he's asleep. we got to go down there. we got to wake him up violently and ask him, don't you care? Don't you, don't you see what is going on here? And they think the storm is greater than Jesus. But how about this? It's not what we see. It's what God says. 
Look at verse 39. Look at verse 39. And he arose. Jesus arose. And what's the first thing that he does? The Bible says he rebukes the wind. Do, 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 do you see that? He rebukes the wind and says unto the sea, peace be still. Now, I want you to stop first. He rebukes the wind. The turbulence, the very thing that's causing the ocean or the sea to wreak havoc on the situation. He rebukes it. He shuts it down. He, 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 he hushes it up. In other words, that's what he does. He goes up to the top deck, stands on the stern, and he says to the wind, I rebuke you. I refuse to let you have control, in other words. He goes to the source of the situation. It's not so much that the waves are threatening, and they are, and it's not so uh, so much that the water is pouring into the boat to sink the boat, and it is, but it, but well, here's the root of the problem is the wind. And the first thing that he does is he goes to the root of the problem, the root of the storm, and he speaks to the wind. The Bible says he rebukes the wind. How about when we're in our storms of life and, and we're struggling to keep our heads above water and Jesus comes and shows himself strong and what he does, here it is, here it is, listen, listen, listen. He rebukes, he goes to the heart of the problem and begins to work on the heart of the problem. That's one of the, I submit to you, that's one of the reasons why you don't think he's doing anything. That's one of the reasons why you think he's not doing anything. Why? Because it's still wreaking havoc, but Jesus is taking care of the root first. Amen. So then, then you can experience the calm. And that's what happened right here. Look, in verse, in verse 39. Look, look, look. He arose. He rebuked the wind. That's number one. He rebuked the wind. And then he says to the sea, peace be still. Three words. Peace. Be still. How about this? The disciples, I love this. The disciples called Jesus, right? And when they said Jesus, listen, the name Jesus means God saves. So when they called Jesus, he responded to his name and he did what his name means. God saves, right? The second thing, here it is, here it is. And the disciples, studiers under the feet of Jesus, probably, here it is, probably brought to mind Psalm 107, verse 28 and 30, which says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. When Jesus told the winds to cease, and when he talked to the sea and the waves and said, Peace, be still, I'm sure that Psalm 107 flooded their souls. And when they heard those three words, that psalm resounded in their spirit. 
And they saw the sea obey. That is when they knew that Jesus was truly God and that he did care and that they were safe. How about this? It took a storm that they could not handle, that they went up against with all of their skill and all of their expertise. It took that type of dilemma, that type of storm to show them that Jesus is God. Hold on, hold on not just is God, but their God. How about this? The storms in your life that are raging even right now, Jesus is on board, and he will speak turbulence in your storm, and he will speak those three words, peace, be still, right? But how about this? The, the, the overall um, um, reason I submit to you for this turbulence could be so that you could get it down deep in your spirit that Jesus is your God. Here it is. In all situations, in the good times and in the bad, he's, he's God. He's, he's totally in control. Those three words, peace be still, should assure us that no matter how turbulent our storms may be, Jesus who is all-powerful, who is supreme, who is sovereign, can and will speak to our storms, speak to our situation, speak to our tribulation, speak to our trial, speak to our circumstance, cause it to cease. Why? Because he really does care about us. That's what the disciples learned. And that's what we should be learning. It's not about what we see. It's about what does God say. Mm-hmm. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. Because, so we, because here it is. Because we think that our tribulations and our trials are bigger than God sometimes. And, and, and God won't speak to that situation so that we can realize that nothing is too hard for him, that nothing is too big for him, that he is concerned about us, that he can handle any control. How about this? That he knew you were going to go through this before you went through this. How about this? And the situation that you're in will show just, here it is, you ready? Will show just how much faith you have in him. Where'd you get that from, Evangelist Sheryl? Oh, right here in verse 40. The Bible says that after the wind ceased and there was a great calm, Jesus turns to them and he asks a question. He asks a question. Check out his question. Why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? It took the storm to show the disciples that they really did not have the faith that they thought they had in the one true and living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Sometimes it takes the dilemmas, it takes the problems, it takes the situations, the circumstances to show up in our lives in the most inopportune times so that the Lord can reveal to us our level of faith. Uh-huh. Do we see that circumstances bigger than our God? If we do, then this question is for us. Why were you so fearful and how come you had no faith? And he surmised that and it was a, a, a an accurate assumption. He said because he knew that they were looking at the storm. Amen. And they were panicking about the storm, and he was on board. They were looking at the storm and not at the God of the storm. Uh Uh-huh. And so Jesus says, why were you so fearful? Why did you lack faith? He uh, he addressed their, uh, their deficiency, lack of faith, resulting in fear. See, fear and faith cannot coexist. When you lack faith, you become fearful. Amen. Right? Our faith is strengthened when we remember the promises of God. Our faith should be, here it is, stronger than our fear. We have to remember the promises of God in the midst of our dilemma. What's the promise? What's the promise? One of the promises is that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's always there. He's with us. He's with you. Someone needs to hear that today. You're struggling, but he's with you. You don't see his hand moving right now, but he's with you. And he's working things out for your good and his glory. He's with you. Always there. Always there and always God. He's with you before the storm. He's with you while you're in the storm. And he will be with you when you come out of the storm. Here it is. You've got to exercise your faith. You have to trust him to handle your storms. Mm-hmm. Because why? He's in control of your storms. See, it's not about what we see. It's about what God said. If I see my dilemma bigger than God and I become fearful of and failing and struggling, right, then I got a faith issue. And my faith is lacking and waning and fear has, 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 has come over me. Now, the acronym for fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what I see has been magnified in my eyes, and so because I'm looking at my, I'm looking with my eyes and not walking by faith, amen, then I think that what I'm in is greater than God can handle. But God is using that situation to remind me of the promises that he made to me. And when I can grasp onto the promises, then I can see my God begin to work in my situation. And it may not end immediately, but I know he's in control and therefore I can rest in the midst of it because I know he's taking care of it. So I have to, we have to respond in faith 
to it while we're in our situations and not rely on what we see, but what does God say about the situation and what he's going to say about our situation will be peace, be Still, he's going to speak to the root of the problem. He's going to take care of the root of the problem and remove that, and then everything else will begin to calm itself out. And before you know it, you're not going to be able to put your finger on it when you got out of the storm, but you're going to remember or realize, here it is, that you're out of the storm now, just like these disciples when he got up and said, peace be still. And I just love it because I love Jesus in the midst of it. He said, I'm going to take care of this, but now I'm going to deal with what's going on with you. How come you lack faith? How come you became fearful? You knew I was on board. How come? I suggest my brother, I suggest my sister, that when all things are going topsy-turvy in your life, do like the disciples said, call on Jesus. As soon as you say Jesus, that means God saves. So you're moving in the right direction already. You called on Jesus. And then you allow him to work those things out in your life. He's working on the storms of your life. He already knew you was going to get it in in the first place. He knew you were going to be in the middle of the storm. He understood that. He knows when you're going to be coming out as well. And he knows how you're going to be coming out as well. He just wants you to recognize, here it is, he wants you to recognize that he is always God, that he is always with you, and that you can always trust him, and that he will always be in control. That's what he wants. And so it's not going to be about what we see. It will be about what God says that counts. And he will speak to your wind, and he will speak to your waves, and he will speak to your situation, and he will speak to your heart, and he will speak to your spirit, and he will calm you in the mist and let you know that everything is going to be all right. Why were you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? Lord, Increase our faith is what you ought to be saying. And as and look, Jesus says this to us in, in the Gospel of John. He says, in this life, you're going to have many tribulations. But here's the promise. It's, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You're going to have some storms in your life. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have some situations. But be of good cheer. This is his promise. I am God. I've overcome everything. The psalm writer says, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord shall, not maybe, not might be, but shall deliver you out of them all. He will speak to your storm, and he will calm the winds, and he will calm the waves, and you're going to come out as pure gold. It's not about what we see. It's about what God says. Amen, amen. Now look, now look. I know I've said a lot uh, this evening. And some of us are going through even right now. And one of the storms that we're going through, 
you could be going through is because you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're struggling between your flesh and your mind. And you're trying to make up your mind. You, you're hearing us today, and I praise the Lord for you. And, and But this word is for you. You need a word of encouragement. You need a word of hope. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in your life, and you are out of the ark of safety. You are out of the ark of favor. And because you not, have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're struggling with it, going back and forth with it, you're in the midst of this storm. But how about this? You can call on Jesus today, and he can calm that storm for you. He can do that for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I want to speak to those who don't know my Jesus, first of all. And I want to make a call for salvation for you. Because there's a condition that you are in. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And there's a destination that's involved with that. It says the wages of sin is death. But how about this? God has given us a provision. He gave his only begotten son to die for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God commended his love toward us so that while we were yet sinners, the Bible said, he died for us. But there's a decision you have to make. Choose you this day who you will serve. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved, right? How do I do that? No problem. You just have to admit something. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then after you admit it that you're a sinner, he says, submit to me. Give your life to Christ. For if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And that God has raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you shall be saved. So that's one storm that can be calmed right now in your spirit by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. And you could just simply pray, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I confess I need you. I can't do this by myself. I need you to come into my heart and take control of my life just as I am. I can't clean myself up, but you can clean me up. Whosoever will, let him come. And you confess that, and you let him know that you need him. And then you thank him for salvation. You thank him for saving you from the raft of God. You thank him for eternal life. And if you confessed that today in your heart, the Bible says you are saved. And I say to you, welcome to the family of God. And today begins your new life in Christ. That's one storm you ain't got to worry about no more. Now, in order to live this life more abundantly, you'll need to seek out and connect with and join a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church or congregation that will cause you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to learn more about the promises that God has for you in his word. Amen? Amen. And I guarantee you that that this will be the first day of the rest of your life, and it will be the best move 
that you've ever made in your lives. And I'm not going to say that you won't have struggles, and I'm not going to say that you won't have some problems, and I'm not going to say that you won't bump into some situations, but I will say that God will never leave you, God will never forsake you, that he will always be there, and that you can always call on him, and he will speak peace to your situation, and he is always in control. So it's not going to be about what you see. It's going to be about what God says to not only you, but to your situation as well. Welcome to the family of God, and God bless you. I'm going to turn it over right now to Brother Rob because he has some very important announcements for us. Brother Rob? Yes. Uh, Outstanding ministry tonight, Evangelist Cheryl. I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody else appreciate uh, tonight's ministry. You know, and it was just hammering home that it's not, you know, what you see is what God says. And uh, real quickly, I'll go ahead and see the announcements. This is a Product Purpose Kingdom Network. I'd like to thank each and every one of you. For tonight's episode, no matter where in the world you are, whether you're listening to us online or via phone, we greatly appreciate your listenership and your support. And for also those letting them, letting everyone know that Purpose Kingdom Network is on the air tonight. Anytime we do a live broadcast, we're broadcasting live from www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And when we do a live show, we do have the call-in number of 319-527-6091. And anytime uh, you want to talk to one of our hosts, you can just press the number one, and we'll get you in there as quickly as we can. Also, we invite you to like, our, like us on our Facebook page, which is at Purpose Kingdom at Facebook. From there, you can uh, see our upcoming shows and advertisements. And uh, on that social media pages, from time to time, we do make major announcements as well as others. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom. Uh, we do have a radio network, which is PKN.com. Uh, please check it out. Uh, from there, you can listen to 24 Hours of Music of Inspiration. And uh, just feel free to just uh, check it out, relax, and listen to some music of inspiration. All right. And uh, we also um, do have an email address where you can contact us, which is purposekingdomnet at gmail.com, where you can send your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a praise report. We are uh, greatly honor that. And also those that are in need of a Bible, just please leave your contact information there, and we'll see about getting you a Bible. All right, and uh, tomorrow evening at the 8.30 p.m. hour, we are scheduled to have self-expressions, and that's going to be hosted by me, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. Um, don't forget with God's will, God's blessing. Uh, at 8, the 8.30 p.m. hour, we're going to have self-expressions, and that's going to be hosted by me, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at uh, 8.30. Just check us out. And uh, with that being said, we're going to be um, setting up our feast day, uh, our feast day um, days of worship. Uh, just stay tuned. We'll make the announcements later on on our website and also um, here at Purpose Kingdom Network. With that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcements. I want to hand the show back over to Evangelist Cheryl and Evangelist Cheryl, outstanding show. Amen. To God be the glory for the things he has done and what he's yet doing in our lives. Just a word of encouragement from his word to let us know that Jesus is our God. He's your God. He's my God. He's our God. And that we have to put our faith over our fear 
and see that he is in control of everything, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and he will speak peace to our situation. He's bigger than any situation that we may face at all. And since that's so, then we can't rely on what we see. We have to trust in what he says. It's not about what we see. It's about what God says that counts. And the great thing is that we can cry out to the Lord while we're in our trouble, and he will hear us. He will bring us out of our distress. He will still those storms in our lives and hush those waves that are breaking through. And we'll be glad when he does that because we'll be in a great calm. We'll, be, we'll have great rest in him, and he will guide us to a safe shore. If we can just remember who he is, And what he can do for us. So as I close once again, I'll just say, and if you can just remember this, repeat it, no matter what's going on in your life, it's not about what we see. So don't focus on what we see. Don't focus on that dilemma. Focus on Jesus. It's not about what we see, but it's about what God says. Amen. Amen. So until next time, uh, let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. I am Evangelist Cheryl Johnson, and you've been listening to In Search of the Truth. I bid you peace and God's blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus led. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. Set me free, I will not lose. Never wanna see you down, I will not lose.